0: This episode is proudly brought to you by these bloody legends. Thank you so much to Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from DeLilquin, Dan from Dapto, Rod from Rayleigh in North Carolina, Patrick from Canberra, Liam from Brisbane, uh, Chris from Sydney, Brendo from Leeton, Tim from Canberra, James from Brisbane, Christian from Canberra, and Steve from the Gold Coast. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody, but those people – are my top tier supporters, my heavy hitters, my significant contributors over at Patreon, patreon.com slash andydowling. They are a small part of the wider community of amazing people who support this podcast and supports us from only a buck a month, dirt cheap, set and forget. And if you want access to free shit, podcasts, merch, etc., etc., go and check out the additional tiers over there as well. Patreon.com slash andydowling. would love to have you. So show, Social, MD, social. Oh, ho, ho ho ho! episode 275 of the anti-social podcast is here and uh, a bit of a different episode. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm about to talk about because you've clicked on the episode and you can see the image, you can see the title and you already know what's going on, but uh, I'm going to explain it to you anyway. So this episode is all about a brand new Lord release. The release is called Undercovers Volume 1, that's right, Volume 1, and uh We've been chipping away at this. Um, We thought we'd get something out in the meantime while we're writing new music. And uh, covers have been a big part of Lord for for many, many years. And so we thought, why not put all these songs together, release them in a package um, in a range of different ways, actually, which we'll get to shortly. And uh, and hopefully it just makes it easier and easier for everybody to be able to access these songs because these songs exist in so many different places, bonus tracks on different uh, releases around the world. Um, stuff that's out of press now, limited edition releases that are now sold out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, we thought let's let's give these songs, these these great cover songs from bands that we absolutely idolize, worship, adore, uh, another another lease of life, and let's let's get them out there and get people enjoying them. So, uh, as you would have seen if you're up to date, um, last Friday, March the fifth, we announced this album, uh, and it's going to be out on the second of April. And the first single, or the single, I should say, um, we're not going to beat around the bush. We're just going to do one single and then cut straight into the album. The single is a Savage Garden cover of To The Moon And Back. So, uh, yeah, I don't know whether people are surprised or not. I don't know. I guess it depends on the person. But uh, we're pretty pumped on this cover. Uh, I'm a massive Savage Garden fan from back in the day, so it uh, it was definitely a... Uh, something that just t- tickles my pickle, if you if you know what I mean. So uh, that's out there. Go and check it out on the streaming services. I will have a link in the show notes, of course, so you can click right through. But uh, it's on Spotify, on Apple Music, the the lot. So uh, go and check all that out. Um, now what this episode is all about is Tim and me, LT Lord Tim, Tim and myself. We we get together and we have a chat about every single track on this release. Now. I probably should have written out the entire track listing in front of me, but uh, this is me being professional. Pretty sure there's 24 tracks in total uh, on this release. We have just piled up the tracks. And uh, this is going to be released in a whole range of different ways. But Tim and I go through all 24 tracks and we... We trade stories. We, we rem- remember the bands themselves and, and stories from, you know, when we were growing up and, and memories that are associated with that band or just what was happening in Lord at the time, you know, band member changes or when we were recording or why we were recording some of these uh, songs, which had a, a very specific purpose, which we'll get to uh, during this chat. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that this goes for about an hour, but if you go and order the album from Bandcamp over at Bandcamp, our main store, you will get the entire podcast where Tim and I dissect every single song. Uh, and the entire thing goes for over two hours. So there's a hell of a lot of stuff in there. Uh, you can go and check it all out. And of course, all the tracks are available over there. Now, the way that we're releasing this as well, cause I've got to do all this housekeeping first, before we get into the guts of this, there are a number of different formats or ways that this is being released. So The best place and the place that we recommend is you go and pick up the the album from Bandcamp. So that's lordofficial.bandcamp.com. Of course, I'll have links in the show notes. Now, you can grab the digital version, which is all all 20 plus songs. Um, Or if you want something tangible, a little bit old school, we've got three different combo packs. We've got a t-shirt and a CD. We've got a t-shirt and a CD and uh, a hip flask and a stubby holder and they are um, pre-existing uh, stock that we have from Kill or Be Killed and uh, uh, Hip Flans that we did uh, a few years ago. And we've also got a third combo pack, which is basically the bloody lot. The lot. We've chucked everything in there. The entire, well, for the most part, the entire back catalog that's still available these days and isn't sold out. Um, and that includes everything from Ascendant, Set in Stone, Digital Lies, uh, Fallen Idols, What Tomorrow Brings. Uh, the Dungeon Era box set, digitalized, extended mix vinyl, and of course the undercover CD and the t-shirt as well. So we've got three combo packs there. If you want some tangible stuff, otherwise the digital downloads all there. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the 20 plus tracks are available on, uh, on Bandcamp. If you get the CD, the CD will have approximately eight tracks, eight of those tracks highlighted on CD. Um, but of course you'll get access to the full download. And, uh, and then on streaming services, there's approximately eight songs that are available on the streaming services. So if you want the lot, definitely go to Bandcamp. Um, if you don't want to pay for anything and you just want to go on the streaming services or whatever, then you'll get some of the songs and you can enjoy some of the songs over on spotify and apple music etc and the track listings uh, from cd to spotify etc are all different as well just to keep everyone on their toes so why not so we'll have all the links in the show notes of course lordofficial.bandcamp.com is the place to go we'll have a release page we'll have all that stuff up which i haven't quite got around to doing just yet but i'll get there pressure's on i've got some deadlines so um go and check it all out support us we'd love to get your backing um even if cds aren't your thing anymore we'd love to love for you to help us clear out some old merch and uh, pick up some stuff uh, re-gift go and save some stuff for a mate who's a big metal fan and give it to them for their birthday or for christmas or whatever please uh share the the songs on social media the streaming services add these songs to playlists follow subscribe but, oh, it's not even subscribe Su- subscribe to this podcast why not Anyway, you, you get the drift. Uh, we're really excited for this release, as you can tell, because I'm just fucking all over the shop with this uh, intro. So, uh, what do I usually say? Oh, that's right. Enough crapping on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with me and uh, the man himself, LT. Hello, Andrew. Yeah. H- Hello, Timothy. How are you? Uh, I'm quite fine. Thank you
1: very much for a guy that got to bed at eight o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize my other job is actually as a high-class male escort. So, I, you know, it's you've got to you got to make the
0: money the way you make the money. A man, of, a man of the night. I am a man of the night. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, well, nice to nice to catch up with you. Uh- Virtually, I mean, we're 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 not exactly uh, close to each other, but um, this is the world that we live in now. But uh, we've got we've been busy this year, despite all the the things that have been happening. And uh, we've got uh, we've got some news to share. And by now, people will know exactly what we're talking about. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a new release that we've just put out, and people are listening to this lovely little. Uh, Exchange of uh, of thoughts and comments and and stories from uh, over the years of us putting together some of our, our all time favourite songs.
1: Ah, the covers album. Now I know what you're talking about. I get it. Yay, yeah. 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 yeah, so you see what I did
0: there? Look, yeah. look, look, look at how look at how coy this guy is.
1: <laughs>
0: so um, why 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 now? Out of uh, you know all these years. I mean, we've been especially even before. Uh, you know, we changed the name to Lord. Um, you know, the, the first year of the band being Dungeon, uh, covers were a big part of the uh, repertoire and, and a, a, a big part of, of what the band was and its identity. Uh, you know, why now after all these years we finally sort of worked out uh, maybe we should put something out? Well, there's just so goddamn many, really. Um, uh, it, you know, as you go through your career, you don't realise
1: exactly how many covers you've done until you sit back and start counting them all up. And you think, okay, so... How many have we done now? Um, I'm looking at our list and I'm seeing 21 that I've just included just from the Lord era plus a couple of other Black and Angel ones that we're throwing in for good mm. measure because we give good value. Um, <laughs> but um, that's not counting a lot of the live ones that we've just pulled out just for the for the fun of it mm. and all of the dungeon ones as well. So I think we're kind of known for the fact that we just like playing covers because it's fun.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's never been a strategy of ours at, at any stage along the way. I think it's always been a very much a, I mean, for a lack of better term, shoot from the hip, um, you know, things that we really love and enjoy and we're not afraid to sort of shy away from uh, our influences and, and the songs that really sort of get us going. And it's just a case of, hey, this would be really fun to do. And sometimes uh, those songs turn out to be, Amazingly successful and do really well for us, and other songs sort of just, you know, fade away into the distance. But um, it always comes back to the fact that we just do it because we love it. It's There's no real sort of uh, end goal with uh, with putting together a cover song. No, well, that's kind of where it all came from. Um, I think the first official one that we did was "Call
1: Me" by Blondie of all mm. of all songs, and um, we it just seemed like a really kind of cool song to do an Iron Maiden kind of treatment to. Um, We we did it and uh, it was met with a little bit of resistance from the band at the time, Um, (laughs) especially our our drummer, Steve-O, the the very first show that we ever played. Um, We uh, we went out on stage between a couple of death metal bands and uh, these guys are crushingly heavy and here's these new kids on the block, Dungeon, whoever the hell they are, um, wandering out on stage and, I remember announcing Blondie and Stevo freaking out at the back of the stage going, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> um, but it actually went over really, really well. So that kind of set the wheels kind of rolling a little bit that, you know, hey, maybe we can actually do some fun stuff that we enjoy doing that's kind of a little bit off the beaten track. There's not necessarily your, you know, usual heavy metal cover that that you'd expect from a band like us. And, um, yeah, we 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 ended up sort of following that idea uh that we were going to be doing covers as as kind of, you know, fun songs and test songs as well. Mm. Um the the next lot of things that we did was actually the the uh Made in our spare time EP, which mm. um, Rare. if if you're yeah, if you're if you're a fan of the band, you probably you probably would have heard about this mythical thing. Only like, I think twenty-five copies of this thing was ever pressed. Um we were in between doing the Resurrection album and the uh a rise to power album and we were moving from your huge analog desk and tape and all that sort of stuff to uh, to moving to to doing digital on on my computer as well, and we just had no idea whether or not it was going to work because this this was what 2000, 2001? so it was all very much in its infancy for for home recording for for that kind of thing. So um, we instead of just doing a bunch of the the songs that was going to appear on the next album and them turning out potentially badly and us going well. You know, that song's probably not very good anymore. Let's not do that. Um, we didn't want to take that. So we just went, okay, what what are some of the covers that we've done over the years live or that we really, really like? And we ended up with uh, Iron Maiden's Caught Somewhere in Time, Wasted Years, Prowler, Queen of the Rake by Queensryche, and Fast as a Shark by Accept on this thing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, great list of amazing songs um, that we, we did more or less okay, um, some less than more. Um <laughs> oh man I, I listen to the chords and queen of the rock now and i just cringe because i, I saw i saw uh, whip actually playing that uh on youtube recently and went wow we got that so wrong <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry guys we we screwed your song up but um it was fun to do all the same so we did that and it turned out really really well and um that kind of set the blueprint of what we want to do going forward and we use quite a lot of those things as bonus tracks what a lot of people don't realize is uh in, in a lot of territories like Japan especially uh, bonus tracks are really really important mm. they, they add a, a lot of value to the domestic product um, that they would ordinarily get from overseas cheaper so if you, if you add uh, additional bonus tracks to the domestic product it adds value to it so they can move more copies of the domestic product so um, it started off that we just started putting these these metal covers on as bonus tracks. Uh, for Japanese and European releases just to make them a bit differently. And then that kind of went over to the Australian releases as well, just to, you know, so nobody misses out. And it turned out to be like different bonus tracks all around the world. And that's kind of how we ended up with so many of them.
0: And especially, you know, when you, you know, we talked to a lot of friends of ours that have followed the band, supported the band over the years, and they're trying to, acquire all these different versions of all these albums from different territories around the world just to try and get their hands on these, on these songs. Because if you don't own the Japanese version of one of the releases, then you're not going to get those bonus tracks. They're nowhere to be found. And, and it's really, really hard to track these down unless you find a bootleg somewhere online. So it kind of gets to the point now where, you know, that same sort of approach of what, you know, what you guys did uh, during the first year of the band, it, it, it carried over into Lord, and we did the same thing with all the, all the Japanese presses and the Australian versions, um, doing test recordings, EPs, all this sort of stuff. And so we've just got this mix mash of songs that are all in these different homes all over the world. It's like, well, yeah, maybe we should try and put these into one little bucket and, and a nice accessible thing that everyone can just, uh, just get to hear a lot of these songs and probably for a lot of people for the first time. Yeah, I I feel really bad for collectors. You, know, you, you guys are you guys are amazing,
1: absolutely amazing, but you're also crazy because uh, some of these releases are actually quite expensive. Yeah. So, um, getting a hold of everything just from a completist point of view, my God, I don't know, I don't even want to know how much money you people are spending on this stuff. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, and I'm in the band, and I, I know the guy. I know I know the
0: bass player from Lord, and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> that's right that's right and it's amazing I mean even it's not even just the uh I mean not to not to boast too much about how great we are but you know even the it's not even just the Japanese stuff and the overseas stuff that's hard to find and people are paying big bucks for it's a lot of our EPs that you know we did a limited run and we didn't really expect them to sell out so quickly but they did we went on tour we we flogged them all off uh you know straight away and they've been long out of press and they're hard to find. And then every once in a while you'll see a copy, you know, pop up on eBay and, you know, it goes for a few hundred bucks. And you see a bunch of our friends who have been supporters for years going, oh, damn, you know, I don't have the money to buy that. And so they're still trying to, you know, fit in those missing pieces of their collection. So it's, uh, it's pretty incredible that, uh, you know, I guess we've got to the position that we're in where, you know, a lot of these items are now collectible, but, um, you know, you kind of want to get to the point where you want to share this, this great music. You don't want it to be just uh, restricted to a few people who got lucky uh, right at the beginning when these, uh, these things were released. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of giving something that's, that's
1: collectible and exclusive to people who are loyal to the band, you know, like, like a limited edition EP, but at the same time, yeah, you've, you've got the collectible thing now, but there's a lot of other people that do miss out on the cool stuff. So why not give them some of the cool stuff? You know, there's there's a lot of rarities that we've got in here. Um, that it's a shame that it's stuck on a limited, you know, five hundred worldwide release of a of a of a niche release thing that we've done that nobody's ever going to get to hear. So this is great to put this out. So we
0: should talk about some of these songs. Um, as you said before, there's, really? about, there's about yeah. Well, why not? Why not? Let's get into it. <laughs> One of the cool things about uh, doing this is giving an excuse to, to do a few new cover songs as well. I mean, it's not just about, uh, you know, pulling together a collection of old songs that we've released over the years. It's giving an excuse to, to record a few new ones and, uh, straight off the bat, I mean, talk about left field, uh, Savage Garden. Yeah. To the moon and back, this is your
1: fault. Um, because you were on Twitter having a chat about stuff and, um, I think that came up. I think, I I think you were talking to Darren. I
0: was. Yeah.
1: Um, and, um, yeah, we were talking about how great the song was, and and it's a really really cool song. I remember liking that a lot when it when it first came out, and naturally slipping away to the to the back of my very filled mind, because um, I've I've got so much stuff going on all at once. Um, but uh, you brought that one up, and I had to listen to it, and I went, "Wow, that is a that's a that's a top song. That'd make a really really good cover." And um, I think uh, a, a couple of people mentioned that um, it it'd make a very a uh, good Iron Maiden style cover with a you know with a gallop and everything like that, and um, to me that felt like it was uh, doing a little bit of a disservice to the the vibe of the original song. Um, it felt like it needed to get more of that kind of melancholy feel and more of that groove that the original thing did. So um, rather than doing the obvious thing, we we went probably more traditional with this one and uh, kept quite a lot of hat grooves and a lot of uh, you know really sparse bass playing and all that, all that kind of stuff in there and. Yeah, it came up really, really well. Really difficult to sing, though. Um, you know, props to those guys. That's that's a really difficult vocal
0: line. It's it's one of those songs where I was so surprised, and this is, I think, this is where the the comments on Twitter came from. I, I was just so surprised that no one has made an attempt to try and cover this song in the past because, um, you know, say what you will about Savage Garden. I mean, I think you know, if you are not a pop fan, you may not know a lot of the songs, but I think this song in particular is is a song that you know, so many people that have even just got like a. Uh, you know, uh, an appreciation of rock music and metal music will will like this song to a degree. And it's got a lot of the elements of a classic, you know, 80s rock song. And and I'm just surprised that no one's actually really picked it up and, and run with it. So I think part of the inspiration bef- be, uh, behind me sort of bringing it up online was, you know, this would make an, an amazing like metal song. It'd just be fantastic, you know. And and I think, you know, going, going into this and recording it and listening to to our version, but also just going back and listening to the original. I mean, as you said, I mean, it's, I mean, this is a tough song and, and I think listening to it with a little bit more detail, you sort of really appreciate just the technical skill involved with putting a song like this together. I mean, I think people tend to, uh, and you're not definitely one of these people, Tim, because I think you're someone who's embraced a lot of 80s pop and you've exposed me to a lot of 80s pop over the years as well. But I think the, the the stereotype around pop music is that it's very fabricated, it's very simplistic, it's it's uh, run of the mill churn out through 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 the production line, and there's not a lot of technical skill uh, added to it. But we know that's not the case, and I think when you listen to the original, and even listening to our version, you can really appreciate just uh, just the level of skill that it, that that it took to put together a song like this. Well, there's an awful lot of guitars in there that's doing things that you don't necessarily listen
1: to, the little little um uh, complementary guitar lines. Along the sides that 's not the main guitars that, that were actually really really difficult to recreate in a in a very faithful way so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing the amount of layers in this kind of thing
0: well time will tell how this one will go um, i yeah. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling quietly confident um, i think I think people are really going to enjoy this one but uh, yeah it's I think this is one of those things when you put out a cover song, especially one that's uh, as you said earlier it 's not your traditional metal cover, you know, you're covering you know, Slayer or Anthrax or Megadeth, etc. And it's something left field, and people are going to be surprised, and you really don't know how it's going to going to react. Uh, and this will be one of those songs where we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but I'm excited to to announce it and and for people to start listening to it because I think people are going to be going to be a little bit shocked, and I think uh, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Well, I want to
1: give a, a strange shout out and prop to somebody that if anybody knows the history of the band. Uh, will be a little bit unexpected, but uh, Lim Schnorr from LMP. Now <laughs> we, um, yeah, <laughs> we we had a a difficult relationship with LMP um, in Dungeon, um, and uh, me and Lim didn't see eye to eye in a lot of a lot of ways. Um, however, when we were coming up with bonus tracks for uh, for a Rise to Power, when we when we first released a Rise to Power in Europe, um, we were going to do the traditional heavy metal. Uh, bonus tracks, similar to what we did on Made in Our Spare Time. And Lim suggested that we did pop covers. Mm. Um, And uh, a couple of the guys, again, were were sort of a little bit opposed to that, but we eventually came around and we did everything from Duran Duran to Queen to, um, you know, to to all sorts of stuff. And uh, they turned out really, really well. So that really kind of set us on a path to sort of saying, well, who cares if if it's a metal song or not? Why don't we just do a song that's a good song? And uh, that, that eventually became a little bit of a blueprint of, uh, of what Lord is. Yes, A good song
0: is a good song. Who cares what it is? I've certainly seen, uh, you know, my friends and people we've met over the years change their attitude towards music. Because I think, you know, a lot of our crowd um, over the years, or even just people that I've known, um, just talking from personal experience and my own growth with music, you know, you, you start off with you know, this very sort of diehard, dedicated to the cause, heavy metal sort of, uh, path where you just listen to metal and that's it because, you know, it's exciting and you just, you're still getting into it all and learning it all. And then anything that's not metal, it's like, Ugh, you know, why would I listen to that? And you're thinking about the people that you either went to school with or you worked with or whatever. And you're thinking, oh, those types of people will, will listen to that type of music. And I think as you mature and, and you start to learn about other styles of music, you appreciate, you know, the underpinning of what a great song is and, the hooks, the melodies, the songwriting, um, and and even just you know from a production point of view, I mean, how the songs put together as well. And so, um, I think I've certainly on my own path sort of embraced great songwriting over the years, and I think that's uh, a large part of that's been in this band and, and sort of being exposed to a lot of this, uh, a lot of these other uh, songs and, and sort of learning you know the mechanics behind behind the underneath the hood. Absolutely. So we should get on to the next one where now that we've
1: just uh. Waxed lyrical about like the greatness of pop music. Um, here's a heavy metal song, um, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and an obvious heavy metal song. So we've just Absolutely. gone exactly the, the opposite. Um, Judas Be My Guide by Iron Maiden,
0: yeah, great um,
1: song, yeah. What a great song! What a, it's a great album, but yeah. um, I always found that album was uh, you could kind of tell that Bruce didn't want to be there anymore, and uh, I, I think a few balls were dropped, in my opinion. Uh, a about the care that needed to be taken on that album. But on that album, there was so many great gems, mm. so much great stuff. And Judas Be My Guide has always been like a, a big favourite of mine to do. So when we needed a, a bonus track for Japan, again, Land of the Rising bonus track um, <laughs> for for uh, for Fallen Idols uh, last year, um, this was right at the top of my list that I wanted to do. So we, we ended up ripping this one out really quickly, like over, over the course of a week or something. So
0: and it's one of those songs that a lot of people haven't heard yet either, uh, you know because it's only been on the on the Japanese version of Fallen Idol so for a lot of people, this will be the first time they get to hear it which is which is really exciting because I'm the same with you i, I I've got similar thoughts on this album um it's It's actually one of my favorite maiden albums, but there are elements in this album that are that are just slightly disappointing um, because it's just like they just didn't spend enough time just you know polishing it out from an arrangement point of view or certain parts, sections of songs, you get, oh, you let yourselves down there. But I mean, there, there are some amazing moments and songs on, on this album. And this is, this is one of those tracks. So when, yeah, when you, when you brought this one up, I was just like, Oh, absolutely. Like this, this is a, this is a killer track. And I know that uh, I know a lot of our supporters and, and fans over the years are, are going to absolutely love listening to this.
1: It's funny doing the vocal on this one, because you realize when you, when you do a vocal by, a singer that's been such a big influence like Bruce has been to me. Um, how many Bruceisms that I've got. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure that's even a word, but it is now, it is now. Bruceisms. <laughs> it is. Check out my Bruceism. Um and uh yeah, it it was it was actually a really, really easy vocal to do, strangely enough. Um, as opposed to To The Moon and Back, which was a really difficult vocal to do because I'm nothing like
0: Darren. Yeah, I, I think it I think it came out great and it's definitely, I mean, it it sort of leans into um what what you know, um, and I think what the band knows, um, as far as you know, very sort of you know unashamed influences uh, for the band, and I think um, I think people are gonna, it's 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 there's no surprises when you listen to it. I think when you listen to it, you go, yep, okay, it's uh, it's it's, it's exactly, what these guys do. Yep, absolutely, and so I think I think people will dig it when they listen to it, and we got and you know obviously there's a lot of lot of metal covers uh, throughout uh, this list, but um, we've uh, I don't know if you did this intentionally, Tim, but um, there's a bit of a Bit of a mix um, in the in the track listing. I don't know if this is going to be the final track listing, but it is now, I guess, considering what we're talking about it in this order. So, uh, was there was there a bit of a method to the madness as far as uh, putting them in this order? Yeah, I, like I I didn't want to put all the metal
1: songs in one place, all the pop songs in one place, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, the other interesting thing that you 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 get sort of listening to these things all together is the different production styles. Mm. Because one of the things that we we would often use covers for in Lord is for testing out recording techniques or testing out new drummers, or because we have a collection now, um, and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and, and new kits and stuff like that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and we use that as a proving ground to get all the bugs out before we record the next album in general. So, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, um, when we, when we get a bit later on in this list, but um, yeah, it, I, I didn't want to put all of you know, a particular production style in place. I wanted to try and really, really mix this up. So you've got to. You, it's it's kind of all of the ingredients of all of the covers we've we've done are kind of all there in a great big melting pot, rather than discrete elements.
0: I reckon it's great. I reckon it's a, it's a great, it's a great flow. And uh, as you said, it's, it's interesting to listen to where the band was at that time. So it's a little bit of a timestamp and I think just to uh, keep it interesting as well, I think just to keep that, uh, what do they say? Uh, Variety is a spice of life or something like that. So there we go. And this is a spicy boy. This is a spicy boy. There you go. <laughs> so the next track, <laughs> next track is uh, Send Me an Angel. A bit of an unexpected one, uh, at least from my point of view, when, when this came up in conversation. I think we're, we're gradually going through the rad soundtrack and, t- and ticking them all off. <laughs> yes.
1: It's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. I've always liked this one. Um, I've, I've been a real life fan since I've been a kid. Um, and uh, funnily enough, uh, I'd already committed to wanting to cover this thing before. Uh, what What a lot of people may not know is in 2015, we went on a tour called uh, playing to win the road to Farnsey. And um, uh we're all big John Farnham fans going off on a bit of a tangent here. And uh, when we realized that John Farnham was playing in Melbourne in 2015, we not only tried to arrange a show so he'd actually be there in Melbourne at the time, so he could have the excuse to go see John Farnham. Um, we we made the entire tour based around it. So the entire tour is just based on the excuse for us to go see John Farnham. <laughs> and Because, you know, that's what you do. Because we're a serious heavy metal band. Right. Yeah, genius. <laughs> um And um, one of the opening bands there was Pseudo Echo, another one of my favourite bands. And uh, they ripped off Send Me an Angel. Um, And it was brilliant. They're they're old friends as well. They've played together for for years, um, Real Life and and Pseudo Echo. And um, that instead of actually making me go, oh, man, Pseudo Echo's done it first, it actually just reinforced the fact that this is such a great song and we could do a very, very different
0: version of that than what they did. And, um, yeah, it was was great doing it. It was actually quite heavy in the end. Oh, it's great. It it came out really well. And... uh and I mean, it's a, a good thing with uh, a lot of the covers that we've done over the years is that you almost get that that Lord stamp and you, and you stamp it on top, and, and so people when they hear the cover, they, they it's got the elements of what they know us to be, and and this is definitely the case with this with this song. But I think it's as you said, it's it's heavier, and I think there's a, a little bit of a at least sort of listening to it as it, as it progressed. I mean, it was it was definitely quite surprising to hear how it turned out uh, at at the tail end of it.
1: Yeah, the production on this one is a bit strange too because um, this was one of the bonus tracks on our uh, live at Prog Power yep. thing. So live albums are necessarily messy; they've they've got to be a little bit uh, too in your face, a little bit over the top, a little bit shambolic, so you can get that energy of that live feel. So if we just put a bonus track on there where uh, it w- it was very clean and and very um, very well produced. I think it would sound a little bit powerless compared to you know an hour's worth of dickheads running across the stage with their <laughs> amps turned up too loud. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's interesting listening to the production on this because I'd probably do it differently in isolation, but it worked out pretty well um, it, as as part of that package.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think it definitely definitely helps in context with the with the rest of that album, and I think it's also one of those one of those things once again where it's uh, it's just a little extra surprise at the at the tail end of uh, a typical live album. And I think there's been some classic live albums over the years where people are throwing a, a random studio track in uh, towards the end of a of, of one of these classic live albums. But um, to throw in throw in a cover and and just this little bonus at the end, it's just this nice little icing on the cake, so to speak. And and once again, timestamping not only that live show that we we've, we've recorded and released, but also just timestamping what we were doing at the time. And uh, I think it's just a, a nice little nice little package there with uh, with those those couple of bonus tracks that were on there, but in particular this cover song. Well,
1: this this really harkens back again to, to my youth. Um, when Duran Duran brought out their Arena live album, they had Wild Boys on there as the mm-hmm. uh, as the bonus track. Now, a live album is kind of like, yeah, I know all these songs, whatever. It, it's kind of almost a bit of a throwaway kind of thing, except for us hardcore fans. But um, – when uh, when Wild Boys was on there as as the bonus track, that suddenly made that album essential. So it it just felt like that. Yeah, sure, we could we could give away all of our songs that were the way the way that we do it live from the American show that we did, and it would be you know a cool package. But putting a bunch of exclusive bonus studio tracks on there just just kind of gave it that extra. Hey, I really got to get this thing now. So it was it was, a, it was kind of a, a nice throwback to again my youth. This whole journey of covers is like therapy for me. <laughs> Obviously, all is being revealed.
0: That's right. The grand master plan is out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, just a quick side note on. Uh, well, actually, there's another. There's another song from this release that uh, will be uh, will be mentioned in this list to come. But uh, I think just a quick side note. Um, we we still I mean we did a limited run of uh, those CDs for the Prog Power uh, album and it's got a couple of bonus tracks on there with uh, with this cover song but also uh, an unreleased studio track an original song on there as well so I think people if you you know if you are collectors out there and you don't own the the live album definitely go and check that out not just to have. I guess, send me an angel in context with the, with the live album, but also to have the uh, unreleased uh, you know, original song that we put on there as well. So uh, that's a, that's a banger too. I listened to that the other day and it was, that, that nearly took my head
1: off. So I'm, I'm almost sad that never made it onto the next album, but Hey, there you go. Have, have some, have some great
0: exclusive stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Next one is, is a bit of an OG for, for a Lord at least uh, shattered. Yeah, this was an odd one. Um, and it's got a bit of an interesting kind of
1: history to it. Mm. Um, when we changed over from Dungeon to Lord, uh, the very last album under the Dungeon name was the Final Chapter. And what a lot of people don't realise was the band that played on that album was the 2006 Lord band. So that was you, Ty, Mav, and myself. Mm. And um, we uh, we were asked at the time to do a, a contributed track to uh, the Art of Shredding, a tribute to Dime by um, by Brian, Brian Giffen from Loud Magazine, and. Um, So we went through all the typical Pantera things and Shattered was the obvious cover to do for that. And um, so we did that during the sessions for the final chapter at Studios 301. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what Phil sings like now, but when Phil did those vocals back in the early 90s, that guy was untouchable. What an amazing voice and how difficult it was to try and replicate that. Uh, that was that was that was not only tight pants, but that was angry tight pants.
0: <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, that song's off Cowboys from Hell, which is you know that first album, breakout album for them, where they where they really changed you know the direction of the band and came out of this sort of you know hair metal sort of you know '80s metal sort of vibe and sound. And I think that's where a lot of his vocals um, sort of you know uh, flowed over into into that first you know first uh, change that that Cowboys from Hell album, where a lot of that sort of very high register stuff is still, still very present in a lot of those songs. And I mean, man, like it's, it's some, there's some wicked stuff there. And it's possibly the, the perfect blend between the two main eras of the band, um, where they, they're still transitioning, but they've really sort of upped the ante with their production and the heaviness of the band and sort of, you know, opening, opening that next chapter for the, for, for what Pantera became in the nineties. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a, what a cracker of a song. Well, Mav did a great solo in there as well.
1: Um, I, I I did a very kind of straight-down-the-line dime copy of what I was playing in there, but yeah, Mav just took what what he was doing and just did like
0: a ripping, ripping solo in there. So, yeah, it, it's great fun to listen to. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that song also, um, it was on that CD um, and uh, I'll I'll do a shameless plug. I'm pretty sure I've got a few copies left. So if anyone's listening to this and they don't own that, it's a bit of heavy metal history, to be honest, because I looked at the track listing a few months ago and I'm pretty sure 80 to 85% of the bands that were on that CD no longer uh, exist. They're not active anymore. They've broken up and have long gone. There's very few of us still, uh, still chugging along. And uh, it is, it's is—it's a little bit of a time capsule of, of where Australian metal was um, sort of, you know, around 2005, 2006. So it's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, hit me up if uh, if anyone wants a copy of that CD because I've got a couple of copies left. It's just us dinosaurs left now. That's right. That's right. With our, with our walking sticks. And, uh, that's right. And uh, this song also ended up uh, on the uh, bonus track. It was a bonus track for Ascendance as well. So, um we thought we'd uh, repurpose the song and and put it out uh you know on that first that first Lord album as a band um on a for the Australian version and uh, seemed to go really well yeah no, I'm, I'm really happy how that one came up um
1: again i i don't think it's got necessarily the production level that we'd we do now, but it was definitely a
0: time capsule of how we were recording things and and treating our sounds at that particular time definitely, definitely. the next one harem Scarum now this is one of these ones that I think has been. Forgotten. I think it's it's uh, it's one of these ones that's been left to uh, our friends in Japan only. And I think, uh, you know, apart from maybe sort of searching in the depths of the internet, uh, it's not one that's easily accessible for, uh, for a lot of um, you know, a lot of our fans over the years. Uh, so we, we picked Hard to Love and that ended up being a, a bonus track on the uh, Japanese version of, of, sorry, I was going to say a sentence. No, it was Set in Stone. That's right.
1: Uh, funny story. That was originally supposed to be uh, "I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight" by Cutting Crew, and um, I went to put a vocal on that, and it sucked. It was awful. <laughs> um, so absolutely shelved that, and I started freaking out, and just going, oh, shit, we need a we need a bonus track for Japan. What do we do?" And went through, you know, a, a, a collection of you know great hard rock songs, and kept going back to Harem, Scarem, because what a, what a brilliant band, and um, we'd already had Pete who did a, a guest solo on um, uh, New Horizons. Yep. And um, I think that was probably in the back of my mind that, you know, we we, we already had Peter Lesbrantz on the album. Why don't we just give some kudos towards them? And um, Hard to Love was – it turned out to be an obvious choice. We we're all big Harem Scarum fans and have been for years. And uh, great album, great song. Um Sure, why not? Uh, I I don't know if I necessarily did it justice vocally because Harry's got such a distinctive voice and, and such a, such a powerful voice, mm. but uh, I I think I think considering that it's it's our take on it, um, and
0: and knowing that I'm very different to Harry, um, I think it came up all right. It's one of those surprising ones, I think, for for Harem Scarem fans out there. I mean, for me, I'm I'm a massive fanboy with Harem Scarum, and so this was this was really cool to be a part of. Um, and I think for harem scarum fans out there, there's not many bands out there covering, covering their songs. And I think that's, there's a bit of novelty around, around this particular track. And, um, interesting thing you mentioned before as well, because I just completely forgot about it. When there's crunch time with, uh, trying to get songs together for the Japanese release, one thing that sort of put us in this position was we were about to have this album set in stone released through Soundholic, and we already had a bonus track, uh, set up for that release. And then Soundholic uh, imploded um, very, very close to release date. And so, right, and we were about to go to Japan as well and also do a tour. And right at the last moment, Rubicon came in and picked it all up, picked the the release up, um, took over the ownership of it, and we're going to put it out. And it ended up getting delayed a little bit. It wasn't out exactly. I think it it may have gone, it may have been released the week that we started touring over there. So it was kind of timely, but it was still a little bit disjointed as far as how it got released. But one of the things that we had to do was we had to load it up with additional bonus tracks because unfortunately SoundHolic had actually released Set in Stone. It was already out in the marketplace. It was already on shelves and they were trying to remove it from the shelves. um, But also compete with this Rubicon release. So Rubicon needed a point of difference. So they wanted us to stack all these additional songs on there. And I think that's where we were in this position where, we're like, holy shit! We're like, what else are we gonna throw on here? I mean, we can throw, we can throw in a couple of extra songs, but really, I mean, we need something unique here. And 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 there, there you go with Hard to love. Exactly right. And um, and also, Harem Scarecrow has got a, a fantastic following in Japan. So um, that was a it was a nice little uh, nice little uh, tick of the box there with uh, with the Japanese audience. And I think a few people uh, enjoyed enjoyed that uh, enjoyed that little gesture towards a, a band that I think many of them over there are familiar with. Well, we
1: got a good relationship with Japan in general, so it's just kind of nice to sort of give something back.
0: Yep, yep, definitely. The next one is uh, going back to some pop, and uh, it's Cutting Crew. I Just Died in Your Arms, and this was off Return of the Tyrant, and you alluded to this earlier, Tim. Um, You had a stab at this song um, earlier in the piece and didn't quite uh, like where it was going. No, it sucked. It sucked. Um, My voice um –
1: there's certain certain voices that work for some songs and certain voices that don't. And I've got a pretty powerful kind of voice and a powerful voice for this one. If, if I back off to do this kind of vocal, it makes my voice sound powerless and weak. And if I sing it powerfully in my full voice, all of the charm completely goes out of the song. So I tried like five or six different ways to sing this thing and each one of them was just absolutely terrible. So we went back to the ethos of the band, who's the right person for the job. And, you know, you were, um, you, you're not a, you're not a trained singer like me. Um, and, uh, we, we said, well, why don't, why don't we give Andy a go? And your voice was perfect for it.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, definitely, definitely a new experience for me. Uh, I was like, oh shit. Okay. How's this going to go? And, um, and I mean, I knew the song it was, it's a great song, fantastic song. Um, and I mean, listening back to it, I, I cringe a little bit cause it's, it's still, it's, you know, as as you said, I'm not I'm not somebody who is a singer. I'm not somebody who uh, does it regularly. Uh, so, I and I think like anything, I think we're all we're all critical of ourselves. So I listen back with uh, with a bit of uh, a bit of a critical eye or a critical ear, I should say. Um, but I think I think overall it came out really good, and I think people seem to like it. And uh, and and I think it's just a nice little once again a little timestamp of of what was going on in the band at that time. Uh, yeah you know, it was uh return of the tyrant it was uh getting demo into the band I was picking a whole bunch of different uh songs that we enjoy and uh and it was just a little bit of a celebration of just you know music that inspires us and gets us gets us fired up
1: yeah i i think probably too much is really placed on the technicality of of singers and guitar players sometimes uh whereas yeah sure uh Jeff Tate circa 1987 might be a better singer technically than Dee Snyder, but if you put Jeff Tate in front of Twisted Sister for, you know, one of their classic albums, it would suck balls yeah. <laughs> really, really badly. So um, it's it's the right voice or the right instrument and the right technique for the job. And um, I think in this case for this particular song, um, your your voice suited what Nick was doing on the original thing a lot lot better than somebody with a more powerful voice and so the right the right tool for the job and that's that's kind of that's the that's the bottom line for everything that we do in lord
0: uh next one is uh, another one of the new ones once again i've got an excuse to to do some new covers and uh well uh similar to the halloween thing it, it's judas priest and the song's reckless but uh not not the the usual go-to uh selection for judas priest covers when you when you see metal bands uh, covering Judas Priest. No, like the Ram It Down album was kind of it's a bit of a forgotten gem, really, because
1: you've got British Steel, you've got you know, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Face, Painkiller, obviously, um, Turbo, which 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 was you know shat on a little bit at the time due due to all of the guitar synths and everything, um, and and Ram, oh, this wasn't Ram It Down, this was actually on Turbo. It wasn't was on it?
0: Turbo. Oh yeah, I was just going to yeah, say. I, yeah.
1: I, well, the the reason I actually mentioned mentioned Ram It Down was. The original choice of songs for this one was uh, blood red skies mm. and uh, we've been talking about this for years how great that would actually be um, but yeah as much as I was excited for that, just getting the vibe for that thing right to capture the the mood that they got on that thing was just too difficult to to uh, to get done so we went back through the catalog a little bit to try and find a deep cut that people wouldn't expect. And we ended up on Turbo, which was, you know, the next to write it album after after um, Ram It Down, and um, we, you know, obviously everybody knows Turbo Lover, everybody knows Locked In, uh, Out in the Cold, all that all that kind of stuff. But right at the very very back of the album is a fucking great song that that's kind of just gets lost in the catalogue a little bit. So Reckless was just that song.
0: I think it's another one of these songs that's similar to Just Be My Guide, where I think for you, Tim you're in your comfort zone. I think you're in your element because when I hear you singing the song, it just sounds, I mean, you can tell me if I'm way off the mark, but it sounds really natural for you to sing the song. When I heard, I'm like, oh, absolutely. This just fits in like a, like a glove. It's just, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, this was actually a warm up song
1: for me. um, When I was, when I was learning how to sing, Um, it was a bunch of Halloween songs, a bunch of Queens rock songs, a bunch of Iron Maiden songs, some Dockin songs. And, and uh, strangely enough, most of the Turbo album and Reckless was just one of those songs where, I would, uh, I would, I would sit in my room banging that thing out, and uh, it's it's just became a, a part of my DNA. I'm not really particularly a a Halford style vocalist in general, but you can
0: definitely hear the Halford in what I do. So this this was actually fairly natural for me. Yeah, yeah, It came out really well. So uh, be uh, be interested to to hear what people think because um, I think I think uh, any priest fan will, will will probably get a get a real kick out of that. And uh, going back to live, uh, this is this is a very much a stock standard heavy metal cover um there's there's no no hiding behind this one but uh, halloween's i want out uh, probably their most popular song um and this is um at least for me it's it's a really special version of the song uh it this is from our uh live at the metro album uh, back in 2006 this is the last uh last show that we played with mav um and it was a bit of a send off for him and uh it was almost like the end of that first little era of the band and uh, just a really special night. Um, luckily, we, we recorded it and captured it and, um, and this, this song's just, uh, I mean, just I think it's, it's, a, it's a great way of sort of thinking or you know, looking back on, on that first full year as, as Lord. Yeah, this, this was actually originally a dungeon
1: cover as well. Um, we would rip this out in the rehearsal room, this and Queen of the Reich with two, two songs that we would, we would do quite often um, in the rehearsal room, but we never actually played either one of those live. Um, actually, Queen of the Rock, we did, but we, we never played I Want Out Live. And um, I think this was just a case of, you know, we're in the rehearsal room and we'd all start fiddling around with the song once again and we just went, well, fuck it, let's do it. And um, it, it ended up in the live set for that first year in 2007. Um, 2006? 2006. Yeah, six. Um, yeah, this a long time ago. I'm old now. I'm yeah. old. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, it, it was it was just... Heaps of fun to play. Um, I I do remember specifically that night the foldback being so fantastic. Um, we could hear everything really well. Uh, vocally, especially, was really good. So, the the performances that we all we all pulled off that night on stage. Um, I, it it just came up great, so it, it was. I'm I'm so glad that we were recording that night, but partly because of the MAV thing, but partly because we just sounded good. It was a, it was a it was a great night overall, and the crowd was really behind it as well.
0: It was a it was a really special night because we played at the Metro Theatre in in Sydney, which is which is really an iconic venue for 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 Sydney live live music and a lot of amazing bands have played there over the years. But I think for us as a band, this was the first full year as a as a live band, getting out there and playing shows. And we had, we really had a great year of of playing a number of uh shows across the country, um, supporting some amazing international bands, playing Metal for the Brain Festival, Festival of the Dead. Um, you know, what did we do? Shows with uh, Leaves Eyes, Gamma Ray, Nevermore, Queensryche, Queensryche. Um First yeah. Queensryche tour that ever came out here. And so this was really sort of like this end-of-year celebration for us where we just – we really ended the year on a high. And I think we were – sort of, you know, going into Ascendance, which we would, um, you know, later record, um, we were sort of riding this, this, this wave of energy that we really sort of, you know, built up over, over those past several months of, of playing these great shows. And we'd really started to find our groove. We were a new band as far as the four of us together. And, uh, you know, by that stage, I think we were really in a, in a fantastic spot. So it's cool to listen back to just that whole, that whole live album, that live at the Metro album, because it's, uh, there's certainly some unique tracks that um, haven't been played since, um, and and sef- certainly are a little bit of a time stamp for that particular time. But uh, just to listen to the to the energy and and uh, yeah, the, the entire vibe of, of that uh, that performance is fantastic.
1: What was really kind of good about that tour was it was it was partly a. Um Uh, a tour for the final chapter of all things. Again, like I was saying earlier the the Lord band actually played on the final chapter by, by dungeon under the dungeon name. And uh, for the previous couple of years of dungeon, uh, it was really um, turbulent, shall we say we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of revolving door musicians coming in and coming out um, and, uh, and a lot of stress. And uh, there was a lot of songs that we just couldn't play because we were too busy getting people up to scratch. Whereas, with this particular tour, we just went, okay, what songs do we really like? What what dungeon songs do we love? What Lord songs have we never played before, like The Richest Man and Footsteps in the Sand and things like that? What covers do we really like? And so we just went, you know, let's make this tour about – getting back to basics and doing stuff that we love and i went out just happened to be one of those songs that is just a song that we loved there was no no ulterior motive there was no plan to it it was just a thing that happened organically much like the rest of the rest of the uh the set and um you you can you can really hear that the performance is just a bunch of guys just playing stuff that they just enjoy
0: playing Yep, uh, great, great memories listening, listening back to that one. And, uh, yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. I mean, it, it, it kind of is in a way, so a long, long, long time ago. Uh, the next one is Touch the Fire, Ice House, a classic Aussie, uh, Aussie rock song and uh, fantastic uh, pop song. It's just – a, I mean, I'm a massive Ice House fan. And I know you are as well. And, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think you know, this was, is this was part of the, uh, the first uh, pressing of the Australian release of Fallen Idols. Uh, the CD version, and uh, this will be its first proper release. Um, apart from that, so I think a lot of people will be listening to this uh, this cover for the first time.
1: Yeah, again, this is this is um, one of those. It's on the list songs that we've been wanting to do for a long time. We've we've always got we've got a massive list of songs that we want to do. Mm. Everything from you know King Diamond, Battery, you know uh, pop songs, you know Slayer songs, you name it. Um, and uh, this one's been sitting on that list for a, for a, quite a long time, so
0: this was finally the opportunity to to go do it. I think I think Australian uh, rock songs. There's so many out there, and I think there's a long list of songs that that we've uh, we've been meaning to do. And I think there's still a few songs that are that are sitting there uh, get, with a, a few cobwebs on them. But we're going to dust them off eventually down the track. Um, but uh, you know, there's so certainly so many songs there that uh, definitely deserve. Um, another lease of life and and for for us as a band i think it'd be a great opportunity to sort of bring these some of these songs uh, out to a wider audience of people that probably just missed that first euro well this one especially um
1: has been something that i know i'd been wanting to do for a long time and i'm, I'm pretty sure you were just as excited as i was yeah. um it, it was it was really interesting trying to do an ivor um because ivor's got such a such an amazing distinctive rich voice um, how do I, how do I go from shattered to touch the fire? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it's I've got to say, like doing these covers, I, I I've learnt so much about me, about my abilities and what I'm able to do, just by trying to emulate other people. Um, and touch the fire is, I, I think, is actually added to my repertoire of what I'm able to do, just just purely by paying a proper respectful tribute to the original
0: artists. Yeah, uh, Iva's one of those iconic singers and songwriters. Just an incredible, incredible artist. And I mean, if you if you just even take you know thirty seconds to skim through the back catalogue of of the songs that Icehouse has put out over the years, I mean, there's so many songs that could easily translate into a really heavy hard rock song or a metal song. Um, a lot of really dark ambient vibes in a lot of a lot of the tracks. And uh, and Touch the Fire's definitely got that that real 80s vibe um, that, that that we love, um, and I think we've, we've certainly done a great job of uh, of uh, of covering it.
1: Well, I, w- I want to do a shout-out and a big fuck you to The Eternal, by the way, because we wanted to do <laughs> I Don't Believe Anymore, <laughs> and um, the next thing you know, like Mark's come along and said, here you go, here's our cover of I Don't Believe Anymore, and we just went, oh, you son of a – it was such a great cover too, and we couldn't, we couldn't sort of sit there being angry at the guy because they did such a great version of it, but it's like we, we really wanted to do that one, but – you know what a great backup. Yeah. Touch the fire. Is a, if, you, if you're not going to do, I don't believe anymore. Touch the fire is a pretty good backup.
0: Uh, absolutely, and that, that just goes to show that we there, there were definitely uh, multiple options to choose from with their with their back catalogue. Certainly not a one hit wonder band. And uh, no. yeah, people should check out that uh, that the eternal cover because um, yeah, they did a they did a top job top job of that song. Yeah, great song. Uh, so the last of the Lord ones, and this is probably the one that. Uh, well, probably got a, the most amount of attention over the years, at least from from a Lord perspective, is uh, on a night like this, uh, Colin Ogue. and uh, yeah, two two hundred ninety five
1: thousand views on YouTube so far.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it. it I mean, it, interesting story behind this one because obviously, uh, you know, it was one that uh, we we decided to do for the He No Evil EP. And uh, that seemed to go well enough that we thought we 'd add it on as a bonus track for set in stone and, uh, and it sort of went from there
1: yeah this um the original idea of this one um, this this is one of mine. Um, I remember when the Olympics was happening in Sydney in two thousand, and uh, I was living on uh, a place called Koji on the, uh, the 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 coast of Sydney, and uh, just sitting there watching my TV with uh, you know seeing all the lasers firing off of center point and Um, on the fireworks going and the closing ceremony and Kylie actually did this particular song. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a great song. That'd be a good, great cover. And then immediately forgot all about it um, (laughs) because that's, that's what happens. Um, I think it was 2008. We were, we did, uh, we supported Nightwish. Yep. At the, at, the, at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney and we are driving back. Um, I was driving back with a couple of friends and we stopped by a local junk food place to get some food and on a night like this we're playing over the PA. And I'm in the middle of my burger eating my burger and I just stopped and I started listening and went, I remember this song. I love this song. I'd love to do this song and I'm going to tell the guys about it and I understand they're going to tell me to go fuck myself. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember selling you and T.Y. and uh, you both went, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And I went, oh all right, yeah, all right. So, yeah, all right, let's do it then. Um, and we did it and it turned out great. Um, it was, you know, it it, it was, uh, again, it almost like a studio test because uh, the Hear he No Evil EP was the studio test for Set in Stone. Yep. And
0: uh, this just happened to be one of the songs on there and it just turned out brilliantly. And it was funny the way that we did it as well. I, I, I keep forgetting sort of the, the timeline of events with it because we put it out in '08 uh, here, you no know, evil. And, and, you know, got a reaction. I, mean, I think within our circles and the people who bought the EP enjoyed it and got a kick out of it. And there's a bit of a novelty around it, but there was no video clip at that stage. And it no. wasn't until another year later that, uh, we would been talking about it a little bit and we decided to go up to Brisbane and do the video clip. And so we got a whole bunch of people involved and we did it over, over a day or so. And, um, and now it's what a lot of people know and, and see online and you can go on YouTube and, and look at the video clip and it's absolutely hilarious. But it was only Aris when Chris
1: did such, such a good job on that clip.
0: He did. He did, absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of great memories putting that video together as well. But it, wasn't, it was only when that video was released that I think that cover really got the, the spotlight that it deserved. Because I think then suddenly people went, wow, like this is an amazing cover of this song. And uh, we, I mean, even to this day, I mean, you know, every once in a while we'll ask, you know, how'd you how'd you get into the band? Like, what was the song? And this song pops up as that gateway. It's that that first song, that dangling carrot, it comes back again. That's that's right. Speaking of dangling carrots, how good was Will oh, <laughs> as as Kylie in the clip? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Will Will's a great friend of ours, and uh, known him for quite a few years. And we were trying to think of people who could play Kylie, and someone who's just a little bit chaotic. Uh, very much an extrovert, and would really put on a show and will is one of those people and but i 've only known will when he 's dramatically intoxicated like really pissed <laughs> and so in the back of my mind i 'm like okay so we 're going to get will really pissed we 're going to get him really drunk we 'll get him a bunch of drinks and, and get him juiced up, and then he 'll he 'll do the do the performance and then he rocked up the day that we 're filming and and I said, "Oh, do you want a drink or anything? Do you want us to go and grab some drinks?" He's like, "No, no, no. I'm driving. I can't drink." And I just went, "Oh, oh, oh no. no, oh no!" I thought this is not going to rock. It. This is not going to work out the way we want. It's going to lose all that energy that that you know I have in the back of my mind of what you know, what we all sort of thought was going to happen. And uh, well. Like a true professional, he just turned it on and it did not phase him whatsoever. And I learned very quickly that uh, he doesn't need the alcohol to be an extrovert. Uh, he no, is, he's, he's just Will. He it is just Will. It is just Will. He can turn it on any time of day, uh, no matter what's going on. So uh, he- yeah, he put in he put on a, an amazing performance for that video clip, and he really made that video what it is. I mean, I, I well, the, the two the two things that I remember mostly about that clip. First of all, is like the the, the swimming
1: pool scene where <laughs> on 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 the original Kylie thing, she dives into the pool and she's floating on this like uh, beautifully lit. Uh, underwater lit pool. And uh, so we wanted to recreate that particular thing. So instead of diving in, Will just does a complete face plant straight to the, straight into the (laughs) water. And uh, I listened, I ended up editing the video um, because there was a few creative differences as to, as to how I saw the video as to what Reese did it. He's got a director's cut up online, by the way. And, uh, which is also great, but different to what we had in mind for Mm. how we wanted to see it. And, uh, listening to the in-camera audio for this thing, um, when we'll just face plants into this water, you can just hear us all go.
0: Ooh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely brilliant, but man, it looks so good. Um, and the other one was this, this there's a scene where we're inside playing pool, uh, on the original Kylie video, um, Kylie gets out of the pool and she like, pulls a top off and throws it out this window with all these businessmen inside where they're, they're playing blackjack or something like that, and then walks off. So Will, who's dressed in a bikini, um, of all fucking things, um, climbs out of this freezing cold pool, wanders over. We wonder wondering what he was going to do to emulate Kylie, and he takes off his bikini bottoms. And throws that against the window, <laughs> and inside on the on the clip you see us like all looking completely horrified. That very first take was completely genuine. We had no idea he was going to do that. So you know we're looking at it. Will sort of doing this thing. The next thing you know, there's like, oh, it's Will. So it's Will. <laughs> it's, okay.
0: Whoa. Yeah, that was uh, definitely definitely captured the moment there. I mean, he was yeah. <laughs> he definitely added. So his so we ended up doing player. like
1: four. Four or five takes after that to try and recapture the the, the look of shock that we had on that (laughs) initial take. (laughs) But I've got to say, one of the reasons that I am up late at night, besides working as a high-class male escort, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, I do video production. Uh, And uh, so quite a lot of nights I'm I'm, I'm spending cutting video together, editing or doing motion graphics or whatever. And it was actually that clip and working with Reese and and, uh, his crew that that really sort of turned me on to, you know, I really, really enjoy doing this stuff. Um, maybe I could, I could do it professionally. And uh, all of the clips that we've done for Lord so far, bar, bar a couple of like lyric clips and stuff like that, I've generally either directed or filmed or been involved in there somewhere. So the, the, uh, the genesis of that really just goes straight back to
0: doing that Kylie cover and then getting Reese to do the clip. It definitely uh, definitely had a lot of roll-on effects for for all of us uh, and the band, and and even to this day, even though even though it's uh, a song that you know a few people roll their eyes and go, "Oh God, that Kylie, that Kylie cover again." It's it's still winning people over, and people still look back fondly. And and we certainly flogged the hell out of that live. We played it for quite some time. We we brought a blow up doll on stage when uh, when uh, we we <laughs> we bust out the cover song, and uh, and it was just a lot of fun. And we, I mean, especially that set in stone tour. Um, where we we mostly played this this cover song, uh, just a lot of great memories and just a real a real great way to cap off these shows at the end of the night, where uh, everyone was was well and truly plastered, they were drunk and they were having a good time, and uh, and out comes this blow up doll and we start ripping into on a night like this, and it was just. Uh, yeah, a great party vibe. It's a it's kind of a bit telling that the the band started off with the female blow up doll for the Kylie
1: thing, and then we went on to without Mark one time, and had a male blow up doll <laughs> <laughs> instead. So I'm not really sure what it's saying about our journey through life here, but yeah. Um, well,
0: well, anyway, that, that wasn't his wireless guitar antenna. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> we definitely think outside the box. Anyway, well, they're they're great covers, and I think it's a great way to to round out Volume One of uh, of this release, um, and. Hopefully for, for people listening, you know, you've got a little bit more of the backstory behind why we picked these songs and, um, and you know, wh- you know, around the release of these songs and the recording of these songs. And hopefully there'll be some songs here, um, you know, excluding the, the brand-new covers that we've put out, but uh, there'll be songs here that uh, you get to discover for the first time just due to not being able to have immediate access to them. So, um, yeah, until Volume 2, I guess. That's right, which is probably going to be about 28 minutes, but, you know... <laughs> Give us, give us time. We've, we've got a
1: list and we're going to work through it and we'll see if we can do it properly.
0: Well, uh, maybe uh, if anybody's got suggestions of cover songs, uh, by all means, Absolutely. Uh, let, let, let us know. Uh, throw them out there. I mean, be, be aware that it's going to be added to a very long list that we've already got, but you never know. Sometimes a cover just comes out of thin air and it gets pushed right to the top of the list. So we're, we're, we're open ears. So let us know. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, well, thanks for the Chimwag. Yeah, good chat. All right, see you guys next album. woo Yay! <laughs> Alright folks, now you know I love a call to action and this time I am being ultra, ultra selfish. Now, not quite selfish, I mean I'm I'm doing it on behalf of us collectively in Lord, but I am a part of it, so it is a little bit selfish, but... Please, uh, any way that you can support the Undercover's release would be absolutely fantastic. Now, the best things, of course, would be to go and buy the album on Bandcamp, whether it be the digital download of all 24 odd songs um, or grabbing uh, some of the merch, uh, one of the three combo packs. Go and pick up that stuff. Um, one thing I didn't mention in the intro is that the CD is limited to 500 copies worldwide. So, please, if you're on the fence, I would suggest getting it sooner rather than later. Please don't let this turn into a "He No Evil or a uh, Return of the Tyrant or, or some of the other releases from over the years where they are long gone. And when they do pop up, they usually pop up on eBay and they go for a hell of a lot of money. So please, for your own sake, please just go and Grab it while you can. These uh, CDs are all hand numbered as well. So you'll have a nice little collector memento for your music collection. But uh, all the combos are there. I'll have all the links in the show notes. You can click through on your podcast player as well. But if you're not going to buy and you're a streaming person or um, just whatever, just a little bit lukewarm on on just everything. I don't know. I've got no idea. Just any sort of social media love would be absolutely amazing. If you can share the songs, go and grab the single uh, To the Moon and Back, our Savage Garden cover. Go and share that on Instagram. Instagram and on, on Facebook and bloody Twitter and wherever the hell else that you converse and interact on the internet, uh, get word out. And whenever you see our posts, please, um, please like them, please interact with them, please leave a comment or something like that. Um, those algorithms are an absolute bloody bitch and, uh, any help that we can get from the Indie Social Faithful would be absolutely fantastic. So please consider uh, anything that you can do. Even something that feels absolutely insignificant can be very significant for us. So, uh, any help will be appreciated. Now, before we wrap it up, of course, a little bit of housekeeping, the stuff that you've come to expect from your mate, Andy, Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. Uh, thank you. As always, I'm, I'm constantly saying thank you for, uh, all the support I'm getting through Patreon. The Patreon community are actually sick of me saying thank you, but I'm not going to stop. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop saying thank you. Uh, it just, it's an absolute game changer for me. It's helped me so much with this podcast. It is it's the reason why this podcast is still going and, and why we're doing two episodes a week and, and why I'm actually having a hell of a lot of fun doing these episodes and getting them out and seeing the impact. And, uh, and it's, it's been a long journey over the past five and a half years of doing this podcast. So it's been, it's been cool to see the podcast get uh, another another surge of energy um, from the Patreon community. So it's been absolutely amazing. And I'd love um, the focus at the moment. And I'd love to have you guys, uh, the people that aren't on yet to join on the $1 tier. So if you've listened to more than a couple of episodes over the years, I would love to get you on. Uh, It's a dollar a month. It's absolutely nothing. You won't even notice it. And if you want access to like free shit, if you want free shit, whether it be free podcast-related stuff like Team and Chronoplan or Beluga Boy T-shirts or the USB pass with the one hundred epi- first one hundred episodes of the podcast plus some bonus content, um, there's all that free shit. Free shut shut. Free shut. That's available. Free shit that's available. Um, but there's a bunch of other stuff that I get all the time, and I'm posting on on the Patreon uh, feed um, where I'm getting different, uh, band merchandise. You know, I'm getting freebie stuff. I'm getting stuff from, from bands that, uh, for giveaways and things like that. And always, I always give first dibs to my Patreon community. So if you want first dibs on a bunch of free stuff, um, go and check out the additional tiers. And of course the Patreon podcast episode as well, it comes out every week. Um, and if you haven't listened to, uh, this podcast, if this is the first podcast that you listen to and you're one of those Lord, Lord people, howdy, welcome, welcome. It's good to Good to have you, have you listening to me, uh, go back and listen to, uh, a few episodes back. I did, uh, one episode from the crazy talk, Patreon podcast episode. I put one of them public in the Andy social feed. So go back and have a listen to that. It's a bit of fun, a bit of silliness, uh, just all lighthearted humor. And, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. And that's part of the, uh, Patreon experience as well. So patreon.com slash Andy Delling. I would absolutely love to have you. Now, um, I think that's it. Uh, next episode in a couple of days is a Sydney musician, a fantastic band. That's getting a lot of hype. It's a band, especially if you live in Sydney, you will see their posters all over the joint stickers everywhere. Um, it will not be a band that you've gone. I've never seen this band before if you live in Sydney. Um, but, uh, they're definitely uh, doing great things and, uh, they are on the path to, to doing uh, big stuff. Um, over the coming months and years ahead, but, uh, an absolute legend, this person on the podcast, someone I've known for, for quite a while, but actually the first time i have actually caught up and had a chat and, uh, I really enjoyed it. So looking forward to sharing that, uh, later this week. Well, what do I usually do now? Uh, I think I just wrap it up. So uh, what do I usually say? Uh, until until next episode? Yeah, okay. Until next next. Well, okay, let's, let's do that again. Until next episode. Oh, hang on. Until next episode, folks. I think that's it. Until next episode. Until next episode, folks. Take care and ta-ta. Larry. Larry, please.